Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Sleep Like a Baby podcast. I'm your host Hannah and I'm an infant sleep consultant coming to you from rainy southeast London. We are still in the depths of winter here. It is February and it is grey and cold and wet. So welcome. (laughs) This is a bit of a depressing start but uh, if you're new here this is a podcast about baby and toddler sleep but actually it's about a lot of other stuff as well. Mainly it's about how we feel around nighttime and daytime parenting and it is a space where we explore all of the alternatives to sleep training. So I am really passionate about responsive parenting and caregiving and uh, looking at the whole picture. So I work holistically with families and that means looking at a child as an individual, thinking about their temperament, where they're at developmentally, what is biologically normal, uh, what does that whole 24 hours look like? Let's, Let's think about routines, rituals, diet, lifestyle, health, the whole picture, you know, why is your baby or child sleeping the way they are and what can we do to improve that for them or sometimes what can we do to improve that for you? So that's me and this episode, I have to say, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I am way out of my comfort zone this week. I'm feeling really vulnerable and a little bit nervous. No, I'm really nervous. That's that's a lie. I'm extremely nervous because I interviewed a chat with my mum. So here it is. I mean, I I wanted to speak to her because I think it's really interesting how parenting changes in each generation. I'm fascinated by that. And uh, I would love to hopefully one day interview someone from the generation before her as well to, to hear just how different it is. And, you know, there's a lot that is similar between my mother and I in our parenting which surprised me um, when I became a mother myself because I thought I would be very different as a parent to to how I have been. You know, I'm quite a structured person, I suppose. I, I really like routine, predictability, control, and I thought I was going to have a baby that would just slot into my life and that I would be sort of like I just assumed I would sleep train and sort and uh, be more. I don't know. I don't know what I thought I was going to be, but that was not what happened. And uh, actually, I'm pretty baby led, and re- like I've said in the intro, really passionate about responsive caregiving and um, nurturing. And um, yeah, I tried sleep training and it was a total disaster. And so I've ended up becoming a little bit more like my mum, who was very much uh, breastfeeding, bed sharing, baby carrying, you know, uh, type of mother. Um, And I wanted to talk to her about that. I wanted to learn more about actually what it was like for her when she had her first baby, what it was like for her when, when, uh, when I was born. These are conversations that uh we've never really had actually um so I hope you find it interesting I think she's great obviously I'm really proud of her love her she's my mum um and I think she has some really uh reassuring insights into parenthood as someone who's had four children at various different stages in her own life and very different children as well 
um and I think for me it just uh I found it very reassuring to listen to as well because you know I I hope I never come across through this podcast series as as any kind of parenting expert myself I'm obviously not and I struggle day to day with all of the normal stuff that all parents do with uh, feeling overwhelmed tired run down wanting more time for yourself and then equally craving more time with your child all of those conflicts and challenges that we're experiencing you know um so hearing hearing it from someone that's been through it four times is always nice um so here she is here's my mum and uh let me know what you think of it The Sleep Like a Baby podcast is supported by The Octopus Club, the online marketplace where you can buy, sell and give away baby and kid stuff without any hassle. If your home is piling up with toys, clothes and bits of kit that your little one no longer uses, The Octopus Club offers an easy, environmentally friendly way of selling or donating things to other families. And if you're on the hunt for high quality secondhand goods, this is the place for you. Honestly, the stuff on there is gorgeous. Check them out on Instagram or go straight to their website, theoctopusclub.com, to sign up today. Um, I have to say, I feel very weird about doing this. Um, well, that's okay, because I feel very weird about <laughs> it too. But I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be... Uh, I'm sure as, as we get started, Hannah, we'll be fine, won't we? I know, we will, we will. Um... So, okay, let's just let's just dive right in then. So I wanted to chat to you about your experiences of kind of parenting in a different generation. And obviously you have um, experience of, of having a baby in the 70s, the 80s and the 90s. Uh, so I think that's quite a unique experience. Well, when you put it like that, yes, I'd never thought of it that way before. <laughs> uh yeah so um for the listeners why don't we just why don't you tell us you know a bit about how you became a mum and how old you were and what it was all like from it back in 1978 seven, yeah 1978 uh, so your brother was born in February uh, 1978 so um oh gosh it was such a different world um and I guess it's very difficult now, isn't it, to imagine life without without a mobile phone, uh, without the internet, um, without Google. And I think, you know, compared to, to you and all the information uh, that you had at your fingertips, uh, I guess as a, a mother-to-be uh, in the 1970s, um, it was... Um, there were perhaps a couple of books that were recommended or uh, leaflets uh, from the midwife. Um, I think there would have been um, kind of preparation classes, I seem to think. Uh, vaguely remember going to watch a, a midwife with a, a um, doll showing you how you would uh, um, bath baby when born and change nappies and um, I guess disposable nappies were something of a 
uh, a novelty uh, and it was a choice. Well, you know, this is what you do with a terry nappy and this is how you manage to insert a nappy pin uh, so that you don't stab your baby or yourself. <laughs> I'm stressed uh, it was very stressful, very <laughs> stressful um, because folding a terry nappy, I learned it was a real uh, skill in itself uh, and um, so I had to practice a lot and then trying to um, put a baby into it uh, that wouldn't keep still like the plastic doll. So uh, it was in, indeed, uh, I, I quickly learned to abandon, because I think I had a nice image in my head, you know, of being the, you know, the mother with the baby, with the washing line, with this row of beautiful white nappies, uh, blowing in the wind and that was very quickly dispelled uh, number one uh, the colour of the nappies uh, that were required to be soaked in nappisan uh, for several hours uh, and um, uh, yes it, it was all very very stressful so mm. I very quickly abandoned and, uh, that little fantasy uh, <laughs> and uh, moved on to disposable nappies which a lot of people thought was oh really a little bit frowned upon you know yeah. you were seen as being some sort of lazy mother no um, way. but uh, it yeah you know it was like oh I still use terry nappies for my baby and I thought well clearly doesn't work for me I'm just going to be uh, a lazy mother you just basically can't win. I think every generation just likes to shame mothers for something they're doing wrong. Oh, I think that's that's really true. And I, I do, you know, I, I do remember feeling completely lost, not having a clue what to do. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I think as well, um, because, I mean, I think young mothers now are at a real advantage because there's so much... Um, advice that you can access but I think back then it was very much uh, you're very dependent upon uh, your mother your mother-in-law um, perhaps other people who'd had children and um, who all seem to have tales of having the perfect child uh, who you know they they had this uh, four hourly feeding pattern um, I slept all night from the word go and uh, I can remember thinking, well, I don't know what I'm doing wrong because my baby it won't sleep for more than half an hour, uh, certainly wouldn't sleep through the night. Um, so, yes, I, I, I think it was, um, it, it was really difficult, I think, to know to go to, who to go to for advice because I mm. think my... You know, um, my mother, uh, your grandmother, uh, was a very much um, had had babies in a very different generation. And I think when I watch um, Call the Midwife um, and, and Granny would say this, you know, that really captures, uh, I think, what life was like for her mm -hmm. generation where, you know, there was a midwife, um, mothers went into a maternity ward for 10 days yeah. uh, and babies were whisked off at night uh, into the nursery and mothers slept all night but uh, I think you know granny uh, said that 
after I was born, um, the midwife would come round and put baby to breast, uh, wait 10 minutes and then weigh baby and say, oh dear, you haven't got any milk, uh, we'll have to give her a bottle. Uh, and uh, and so I think breastfeeding wasn't, there wasn't, I think, the understanding of how mm. to breastfeed a baby successfully. So I think because my mother uh, and also um, uh, your paternal grandmother hadn't breastfed either, mm. um, they, there wasn't that knowledge to hand down. Yeah. Granny told me that she went to the GP once and they told her her nipples were too small to feed, you know, and that she cried on the way home and she still, and that was the first time, you know, she held like my son and I thought that was, you know, she got quite emotional talking about it, you know, eight, what, like, gosh, like how many years later, 60 odd years later, holding a small baby in her arms. And that was what was coming back to her was that feeling of um, being told she couldn't do something that she wanted to do. Yeah, that sense of failure. Well, you failed your baby. But um, and and she still hangs on to that belief, you know, that her nipples are the wrong, were the wrong size. Um, But I think, um, I think nowadays, um, you know, she'd be given very different advice. And, but I think just going back to um, when your brother was born, um, even in hospital, there was still this idea that you fed breastfed babies the same way that you fed bottle fed babies and that you, you gave them so many minutes and then you put your little finger in the corner of the mouth and you took them off. And then, you know, you had this screaming baby uh, for the next four hours oh, uh, and and a hysterical mother you know thinking um you know and all those emotions after uh, you've had a baby uh, and feelings and your hormones are all over the place and you know I think that you could get feel quite low it suddenly feels quite daunting um and that was exactly um how I felt and uh, actually it was your dad um that came to the rescue uh, because I was so determined um, uh, to nurse um, your brother. And um, he bought the book, Breast is Best. uh, And I read that, um, I think in the space of a couple of hours and thought, oh, this is how you do it. And that completely uh, changed. Uh, So I completely disregarded this for four hours out of my head mm. and um and I nursed whenever uh, baby cried and um and my mother was horrified <laughs> oh that baby's got you at their beck and call <laughs> and they've only got to cry and and you've I, I don't understand it well this is what I'm going to do and um I didn't look back really and just to set the scene as well so you would what how old were you at this point uh, I was um, 21. Yeah. 21. So, yeah. So good on you, Mum, for sticking to your guns. Well, um, yes. But I I was very determined that I was going to do it. What, so, you? Yeah, me, <laughs> determined. No, it's hard <laughs> to believe. And not that I'm stubborn or anything, no, of course. But uh, so, um, 
Yes, I was very determined. And mm. then uh, when um, your brother was six weeks old, um, I left the UK uh, and went to live in Abu Dhabi in the um, Emirates. Um, and um, I think I was very glad uh, mm. that I um, was nursing um, because of, uh, I guess, obvious reasons. Uh, a, travelling was so much easier. Um, and I guess hygiene, mm. uh, where, you know, it was a very different um, environment. And then I suppose there, you know, I didn't have access to um, any advice, really, or, um, uh, you know, a, a midwife, a health visitor. Uh, I was very much um, finding my own way. Um, and I suppose meeting up then with other uh, other um, women who had had families but uh, at that time uh, and we were not we weren't in Abu Dhabi we were out in a line uh, which was probably about three or four hour drive uh, from um, Dubai so um, it was quite a limit you know uh, there were very few uh, British families living uh, out in uh, a line so um, yes, it was a, quite an experience. Yeah. And so um, you, I mean, how, how did, how was sleep at that point? You know, was, did, that, did reading the breast reading book make you feel a bit better about what, what kind of normal infant sleep looks like? Or, yeah, can you remember? I still think there was an idea that if you fed your baby all day, then they should sleep at night. Um, and, um, I have to say, I think, I think that your brother slept, so maybe I'd get a stretch. I, I can't remember when it was exactly. I think he would have been mm, quite a few months old, but I seem to think that I would have got started to get about five hours mm -hmm. at a stretch, but not when he was, um, um, you know, newborn, mm. um, sleep was something uh, that I thought I would never have again. And I think as well at 21, you know, you still have, I understand now that your own need for sleep is still, you know, mm. it's still a quite a high need because you're still a developing adult really, aren't you? Yeah, your brain are, is still growing. Yeah. Until you're 25, you really haven't reached your full um physical development mm. and cognitive development so um I think I really found that hard yeah. uh, that lack of sleep um but um yeah I, I, I yes it, it, it's very difficult isn't it I think and especially traveling as well and being in a you know in a different environment and adjusting to that yeah so dad's work sort of meant that you were yeah so you were you were in the Middle East you spent some time in Yemen in the Emirates um and then were you I mean when you fell pregnant again then were you were you still breastfeeding at that point I've never yes. asked you that yeah yes yes I was but um it became uh, really painful mm. uh, and so um I stopped at that point just because it it was just so uncomfortable and I think also I did worry about 
you know, from just the health point of view, really, uh, essentially, I suppose, feeding um, two babies mm-hmm. uh, because there's only uh, 20 months uh, between um, your brother and your sister. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That was so... uh, a busy time, <laughs> a very busy time. So then you're what? So you're about 24 and you've got two babies under the age of two. And 23, 23. I think I would oh have been goodness. when I yeah. had um, your older sister, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so then you're 23, you've got two, you've got a baby, a newborn, a toddler, uh, and then you're, but you've come back to the UK, right, to have, to, to, have, yes. to have give birth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then did you come, I should know this, I feel embarrassed to not know my own family history. Did you then go back to the, to the Middle East again, or were you sort of settled in the UK for a while? No, I went back uh, when your sister was, I think about four, she was young. She, mm. I, I think usually the advice is, isn't it, to wait till six weeks, but I seem to think, um, I didn't, and I went uh, back to um, North Yemen, uh, so with a toddler and a baby. Like a four-week-old. Um, yes. <laughs> what were yes. you thinking? <laughs> I just completely, clearly you have a completely crazy mother, uh, and um, I possibly wasn't thinking, uh, but it seemed a real adventure, uh, which yeah. indeed it was, Yeah. Um, and um, I think... I think I guess when you have your second um baby you 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 sort of know a little bit more what to expect don't you mm-hmm. um although I didn't bank on having mastitis very badly um and again I think being in the UK and having um a second baby I don't really think advice had moved on mm. I suppose it wasn't there wasn't a big uh, gap of time but I do remember ringing the doctor and saying look I'm really I'm really poorly I can't I can't get out of bed um I'm shaking all over I've got really high temperature and um and I don't think the doctor thinking it could be mastitis Mm. um and um insisted that I went into the surgery and I just felt dreadful Uh, and then uh, the penny dropped and I had um antibiotics uh and um yeah and so um recovered from that um but it was quite that first month i think was um yeah quite quite difficult and then yeah. uh, being back in yemen again i think i was very uh, glad that i was nursing uh, because the hygiene uh, was certainly um quite an issue yeah yeah and so um was was you know was my brother sleeping through the night by the time you had your second baby or were you up with both of them both or? of them both yeah. of them and both where were them. they where were they sleeping so um your sister um so i always had all of you when you were a very very little in the same room and um i guess your brother would have had at that point his own room uh and um, your sister uh, had a little crib uh, that I'd bought in Yemen. It was quite cute, actually. Uh, and it had a nice, um, it was like a swinging crib. And actually, I did notice that if she um, stirred, it, it would go, it wouldn't, 
mm. just move a little bit of movement and actually she settled back to sleep so um she she very quickly actually she wasn't too bad at at sleeping um and she as you know um she likes her sleep she does um and <laughs> uh so i think she always did um so um then i think gosh it's a long time ago but we left yemen and we came back to the uk um within quite within a, i think maybe your sister would have been I don't know, maybe six, seven months, something, something like that. I can't, I can't remember now, but, um, and then we, we stayed in the UK, uh, then until your older sister, I think was around two or three. Mm -hmm. Um, and do you remember like what age that, you know, sleep, you started to feel a bit more rested again and you got your sleep back? I think with two little ones, um, I don't remember having a lot of sleep <laughs> um, because if it wasn't one, it was the other. Uh, and I do think we went, um, your dad and I went through a period of time where um, I slept in one room with one child and he slept in another with the other. Yeah. Uh, and I do remember... Um, when your brother was a little older i mean that continued for, i've got um, we've got an we've got oh, a, visitor. <laughs> a little visitor are you gonna help me with the podcast recording yeah. you're not napping today <laughs> speaking of sleep speaking of sleep sausage why don't you go and watch some tv with daddy and then i'll come and play later okay Anyway, I'm sorry, I don't know. Where... Yeah, you were saying we're too little. So yeah, so dad would be in room with one, and you'd be yeah. in room with the other. Yeah. And I, and I think that really that continued. Not not that we didn't start the night like that, but that's how it always ended up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I do think uh, that I do remember uh, when your brother was a little older, uh, we had visitors, and and we overheard him showing uh, the visitors round the house. Uh, uh, and he said, and uh, this is the girls' room, the bedroom, <laughs> and this is the boys' bedroom. Aww. And uh, I think at that point we thought, mm, maybe, maybe, we, maybe there's something we need to be doing differently here. Uh, and then, um, yeah, your brother and sister shared a room, and, uh, and and I think they were old enough then, you know, that when they did get up in the middle of the night, we would then take them back. Mm. And uh, maybe we had a difficult couple of weeks where, you know, we got them back into that routine. Um, but, uh, yeah, unless they were ill then, um, they didn't um, come in. And did people think it was weird that you had, you know, that you kind of co-slept with your kids? Like, was that weird or did no one really bother you about it? I don't think I ever really... Um discussed it with anybody actually mm. to be honest so I think we, it was just something that we did because you need your sleep don't you and I think when yeah. you get I think um, probably both your dad and I it got to a point where we thought well the most important thing is 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 that we sleep um because obviously you know um well I suppose not obviously but your dad 
was working and I wasn't out um I was at home looking after children um but when you're on your own all day uh, with uh, two little ones uh and um you know you, you need your sleep don't you but did did family not kind of say well you just need to leave them to cry a bit or um or was it yes. just not something yeah I, I think probably uh, the mothers the grandmothers mm. uh, would have said oh you know oh, oh, we wouldn't have uh, you know we wouldn't have put up with that you know you'd yeah. have gone in in your own room and indeed I think um, that generation you know was you left your baby to scream it out Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, you know you didn't allow your child to control you so I think there was a view that as a parent you should be in charge and it was up to your child to learn um, to sleep mm-hmm. uh, and I, I guess we know more now don't we about child development uh, and, um, and I just found it um, too upsetting anyway Um I think, you know, we did try that um, and I'd end up in tears um, because I just found it too upsetting listening uh, to a child scream all night. Mm, yeah. Well, not all night, but, you yeah. know, after a while, it's like, oh, I, I, I can't do this. Yeah. It goes against my instinct. Because even even five minutes of crying, it feels like an hour. You know, oh, that's terrible, a really long time, isn't yeah. it? I think yeah. any time your child is distressed or upset, you it triggers something in you, doesn't it? As a, mm. as a parent, that you want to, you don't want your child to to feel distressed. So I think we did with your brother. I seem to think we did at one point uh, try uh, leaving uh, him to scream it out, and um, but. I, I I couldn't do it. Mm. Fair so, enough. Yeah. So um, I didn't do that. Yeah. And so, um, and how long then were you nursing for them? How old was my sister when you stopped that? I think she was about two. Was that not considered really weird? Oh, really weird. People yeah. were just... Um, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I I, I, I think um, found it quite, um, yeah, we're quite shocked. Yeah. Really. And I think, you know, as well, I think back in the late 70s, I think breastfeeding um, was very much, um, people felt very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you, because people would say, because um, I think at first, and I'm 21, and I, I'm quite self-conscious about exposing my breasts. Um, and uh, if we went out, then um, I would ask, you know, do you have anywhere I could go and um, feed, you know, mm. breastfeeding? Have you got anywhere I could go uh, to feed baby? And the number of times that I was referred um, to the toilet. Mm. And I thought, I'm really going to spend my life sitting in a toilet um, because I'm feeding my newborn baby. Um, and um, and I just decided I wasn't going to do that. Why, why should I be made to feel that I was doing what was the most natural thing in the world? Um, why should I be made to feel, 
you know, I decided it was other people's problem and rather than mine. So I became very skilled at, I think, being discreet. Mm. And um, I was quite um, mindful of what I wore. Um, and then I um, would get a shawl mm-hmm. uh, and um, put it in a, you know, a particular way. And in fact, maybe not so much with um, your brother and sister, but certainly more with you. I do remember, uh, because by then, I, you know, I'd perfected the art. Um, and lots of people would come up and say, oh, can I have a look at baby? And then go, oh, sorry. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and I would say, it's okay. You know. Yeah. Uh, and, um, but it is other people's embarrassment, really. Yeah. Um, and did you find, like, you know, wherever you were living in those first few years, did you find other mums who were sort of on your wavelength or or you just weren't really amongst a lot of other mums or they were just different and you just didn't talk about sleep or feeding or how you were doing things I think probably because I wasn't I I guess I wasn't really I guess I wasn't in because I wasn't in the country here uh, perhaps I didn't have you know a large group of friends or other women um, that I uh, befriended I think mm. certainly living in um, when we lived in Yemen I think I was the first amongst uh, the people I got to know to have have a baby mm. so um, but in a way uh, I guess I didn't um, you know I wasn't comparing myself to anybody yeah. I was yeah. just getting on doing what I felt was right and I did meet a very lovely uh, Swedish woman who lived nearby who happened to be a nurse and I, I she was a wonderful person and I think um, she felt a bit sorry for me uh, um, and um, and she very sweetly um, at the end of every day um, she popped round to see how I was getting on and she was very lovely and encouraging uh, and um, I did I really appreciated that support oh that's so nice yeah she was lovely a lovely lovely woman oh um, and I guess as well at certain points you were living near your sister-in-law who was also kind of having babies and 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 doing things kind of similarly was were they Yes, I think there were times where um, we did live uh, quite close or saw each other quite regularly, and uh, there were only there was only six weeks be- between our first uh, mm. children. So, um, and of course, oh, yeah, I had shared if, breast yeah. is best, yeah. and uh, and so yes, yes, you're right. We we did compare notes and encouraged each other. Nana must have been appalled at <laughs> both of you. <laughs> I think she was rather bemused by it, really, and a little bit like, "Oh, this is something I don't really know about." Yeah. Um, yeah. And it and it was, I think, for as a family, you know, I do remember the first time, you know, feeding in front of uh, uh, other members of the family, you know, especially um, uh, my father-in-law. Um, it was a little bit like. Oh, <laughs> this is a bit weird, and um, um, but I think we did talk about it, and and yeah. there were some jokes and comments made about 
oh, you're not going to whip your tits out here, are you? <laughs> um, yes, I am actually. Uh, and um, but I think as a family, um, it just became the norm. It was yeah. what the girls did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine that. That's quite nice. Oh, yeah. Though. Yeah. Um, and I was going to ask, actually, going back to your birth. So how long did you stay in the hospital for when with, with, with the first two? And did you did they take your babies away at night or did you did you keep them close to you? Uh, so your brother, uh, I was uh, very fortunate in that I did have my own room mm-hmm. uh, and um, I think they used to keep new mums in for five days. Mm-hmm. And I think they wanted to see that your milk had come in, even though they did nothing uh, to stimulate it. Um, <laughs> so I think I, I think I stayed in five days um, with your brother. And then I think um, with your older sister, I wasn't very happy with the... Um, there was a little bit um, because I was very determined I was going to have my baby with me all the time Mm -hmm. and I was going to demand feed Um, and there was a particular midwife there who thought this was a terrible idea and um, yeah I didn't find her very supportive Um, and I seemed to think I stupidly uh, it turned out, um, left hospital, I think within about, and I know it's not uncommon um, uh, for now, nowadays, but I think, and of course I got a toddler at home mm, yeah. um, and I wanted to get home. Um, and uh, I think I went home after about the next day. Yeah. Uh, and I think actually it was a little bit of a mistake Yeah. Um, because um I, d- I didn't get any rest. I didn't get any sleep. Yeah. And trying to cope with two uh, was much harder than I thought. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And then I ended up with mastitis and yeah. it didn't go well. It didn't go well. I cried a lot. I mm. do remember crying a lot and thinking, I think this is probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Oh. And, uh, you know, um it, because it's hard, isn't it? It's hard work. Yeah, it's the hardest. Yeah. Just takes it just you'd have to just dig really, really deep. <laughs> you do yeah. dig and you, you yeah, and you do it, don't you? And you and you do get through. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly not easy. But I, I think there's a point, isn't there? Usually around I seem to think about six weeks when your feeding is a bit more established. Um, and I know that that's everyone has a, a different experience. And I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's mm. different. It's a different for everybody. Yeah. Were you surprised? Um, I, because obviously like, you went on to have four babies and, and obviously each of us has been so different. But were you expecting sort of your second to behave like your first? And then when she didn't, that was just a surprise, I guess. Oh, a big surprise, because I think... Um, uh, she slept more than your brother had. 
uh, and although not enough, um, but was better at sleeping. Mm. And uh, and I'd wake up in the middle of the night and go and check, oh, is she still breathing? Yeah. Uh, you know, um, she hasn't woken up. Um, How unfair that she then went on to have two babies that never slept. I know. I <laughs> that's, know. So, that's bad really luck. Un- it's really unfortunate. <laughs> I'm happy for you that you got the second one as a better sleeper, though. I think I think you. Well, as a better sleeper, so maybe um, I remember a phase where you know the last feed would be about ten, eleven at night, and then maybe she would go through till about four or five in the morning yeah, so pretty good that, that was pretty good I thought actually um yeah. but I do remember with your brother um I do somebody saying to me um because that was the question oh even though he was um only probably about um six or eight weeks old oh is he sleeping through the night yet <laughs> uh and uh, you know thinking no um, but then I think there was um, the first time he went from about um, maybe 11 till maybe five or six in the morning. And I said, well, no, he's not sleeping uh, through the night. He wakes at about six uh, because that was <laughs> not through the night at 21. <laughs> My middle of the night was probably about four or five in the morning. Yeah. And uh, no way would I have got up at six in the morning at prior to having a child so yeah, I mean it's different you, now isn't it because but, yeah but did you know that um your circadian rhythm changes in your kind of late a- adolescence and early 20s so that um uh, early mornings are particularly hard for teens and, and people in their early 20s and that's like a biological thing and, and and um there's a lot of academics have kind of campaign to change school hours for example and universities are all very geared towards adult like circadian rhythms but actually um young yeah, adults yeah that's very they need true. to go to bed later and they do need to wake up later and that is sort of their biology yeah so yeah I know lots of people listening to this will think 6am what you, that's the dream I know <laughs> but actually not at, not at 21 it's yeah, not is it yeah, because no. but then gradually I mean you have to adjust so um I did and now I cannot sleep past five in the morning well, so exactly uh you know but that that's that change isn't it as you grow older and uh and then a habit of a lifetime it's just so cruel isn't it you know you've got you you finally got the freedom to sleep and now you can't I know and then I can't (laughs) I blame all of you I know it's our fault um (laughs) and did you feel like I mean was there an idea that babies should go down to bed at seven o'clock for example Oh, absolutely yeah absolutely certainly I think you know, my, my mother's generation, uh, you know, it was clockwork, wasn't it? Although mm. my mother, I will say, um, that I, I, I clearly hadn't read the manual when I was born because apparently I didn't sleep through the night until I was three. <laughs> well, you were the nightmare ba- baby, weren't I, you? <laughs> I think I was the nightmare It's baby. kind of a miracle she uh, had any more after the nightmare toddler. You. Yeah. Oh, I, and then, of course, she had my brother, um, who she <laughs> she will tell the tale of of of, uh, of um, granddad uh, putting down a floor, hammering down floorboards next to his cot, and he did not stir, and he's still <laughs> the same now. And he's still the favourite child. <laughs> he is still the favourite child. He is. 
He's so placid. Yes. <laughs> oh, and so okay. So let's let's jump forward to the interesting bit then with my arrival. Oh so, well, that's so, it. Yeah, of course. By this point, so you've got a what an eight and seven or eight year old and a six year old. Yes. And, and uh, your darling Hannah arrives on planet Earth. Yes. Uh, how did you feel going back into the baby years at that point? Uh, well, I was really excited uh, about your arrival. Uh, and um, I, I thought, you know, I've had to, I, I, I'll nail this. It will be no problem at all. Uh, and it was such a shock. Oh, no. uh, it was such a shock, <laughs> Hannah, because actually after six years, I had forgotten. Yeah. I had forgotten what it was like. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And I wasn't, what, what, what was I like when I was a tiny newborn? I don't think I've ever asked you. Or, or you told me when I was in a fog of new motherhood and I've completely forgotten. <laughs> um, oh, uh, what were you like? Um, well, of course, I, th- I thought you were absolutely beautiful, uh, <laughs> as I still do. Um, and, um, yeah, you were, you were a beautiful baby, uh, but you didn't sleep. Uh, and I'd forgotten uh, mm. that you don't sleep, that... You know, you're up all night, uh, every night, uh, and sleep's an absolute luxury. Uh, And um, was I your worst sleeper? You weren't great. Yeah. (laughs) No, you weren't great, really. You weren't great. Um, And then, really annoyingly, uh, you wouldn't sleep at night, but you'd nap beautifully during the day. Yeah. And uh, and I just couldn't get you, you know. I'd try and keep you awake sometimes in the day, and then that, that didn't work because you were just cranky and miserable, and the day was horrible. Um, but and then you'd be up in the night, um, <laughs> and I just couldn't get you to switch round. Really, sleeping better at night and uh, um, having little naps during the day, but you'd go four hours during the day for a nap. Yeah. Um, but I do. Um, lo- I still love a nap in the day, and I've not oh. had one in, in several years now. But <laughs> I oh. do love them. Siestas are the best thing ever, aren't they? And so, just to set the scene as well, so by this point, you're living in Hong Kong, yeah. where you had me, um, and then uh, and you had some family around. So there was, um, uh, yeah, my dad worked for the fam- a family business that was based out there. So there was a sort of a, but but like you say, by this point, you're sort of. You're dealing with school-aged children and, yeah, but you're in lived, your stride. And... Yeah, we lived a distance. We probably lived about an hour away uh, from family. So it wasn't well, nice. around yeah. the corner. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess um, by the time I had you, I think what was different was that I got a lovely circle of friends. Mm. And actually, a few of us were having babies at the same time. And it was absolutely lovely because we went through our pregnancy together uh, we went to the same um kind of preparation group uh and then once all our babies were born you know we'd meet up every week uh yeah. and um compare notes and um and I, I don't think for anyone in the group it, it was nobody's first baby uh, so I guess then your discussions change don't they about um 
because you're all seasoned hands really <laughs> uh, and you probably spend more time talking about your older children than you do about your, yeah. your babies yeah um and um but that it's... that was nice to have I think having that support yeah uh, and any worries you know you had someone you could call or pop round to see and because of course we're still at pre-internet days and mm. at pre-mobile phones um so I guess um you know you could chat on the phone and compare mm. notes which I think that support network is so important isn't it yeah yeah it's really important it's, it's just I think it's so valuable and did you um you know because obviously by this point we're in the mid 80s as well so did you feel like things were changing around ideas around parenting or feeding sleep all of that stuff or or not that much no I think there was quite a big change Mm. Uh, I mean bearing in mind I wasn't living in the UK uh, and, and you were born in Hong Kong so um which was a very different experience and I did stay in hospital uh, for five days um, after you were born um, because I suppose your brother and sister were old enough uh, to be with grandparents and um, and I'd learnt yeah. uh, if you've got the opportunity to have yeah. a rest take it yeah. uh, let other people help you uh, and because you need it yeah. so um, I did uh, and um, but it's still I think it's still quite scary getting a new baby home uh, and being on your own uh, and uh, so I was very because um, of course the health care in Hong Kong isn't uh, as it is you know there, it, it isn't set up in the same way mm. uh, and of course if you go and see um, health visits you have to pay for the privilege and that sort of thing really yeah um, so it was very important to have that uh, network of friends. But I think things have definitely changed. I think this idea of, in fact, all the other um, women uh, were breastfeeding. Mm. Uh, and um, this idea of your baby should sleep all night. Um, it, it was no longer, I think it, it, it was no longer a thing. Yeah. It's really interesting, though, because I do wonder if you were in a bit of a... A bubble you know of uh I don't know because I or, or maybe that was because you were in this community that wasn't inside the UK or because you know what we've got happening I suppose culturally at that time in sort of the US the UK were these sort of um parenting manuals being published about sleep training and and kind of modern ways to sort of cry it out and controlled crying and all those things um were starting to be more uh, published more you know which is quite interesting but um and I think when I talk to my friends who grew up here um, and, and talk to their parents, I think they were more influenced by those ideas about kind of schedules and, uh, you know, timed feeds and sleeping through the night and not, you know, uh, not responding to your baby at night and, and, and those sorts of things. Um, so I guess it is, it's just every, every community is really different, isn't it? It is. Very much so. And and I think as well, I felt um, confident. And yeah. I don't think I read a book. Yeah. Um, I just thought, well, if my baby cries, I'll feed her. Um, and um, I might, I'll be up in the night, but that's fine. Uh, it won't be forever. It will yeah. pass. And and in that way, I think I, I really enjoyed you. Yeah. 
mm. um, because I was able to see. You think, don't you? I think I thought with um, your brother and sister, you know, it, it was like it would never come to an end. Yeah. But by the time I had you, I realised how very fleeting and mm. how very precious that time is with your baby. Yeah. And those really lovely moments that you have. Um, yeah. So I, did, I really, really enjoyed. I thought I'm really going to enjoy this baby uh, no. because I know it won't last. Uh, yeah. And indeed, it, it well, clearly um, it doesn't. Does it? <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> it started becoming difficult. <laughs> and so and then when I was about six, seven months, you moved again because, you know, why not? Why not well, just why not? move countries? Why not make life hard for yourself? <laughs> Got a baby. Shit, moved yeah. to another, another country. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we were in Singapore and I dad was working. Dad then had a new job, didn't he? And he was yes. traveling a lot more. Yeah. And so from why I understand it, I kind of was was in your room and your bed for quite a long time. A long time. Yeah. Yeah, a long time. Uh, because um, you, you you were going to have to share a bedroom uh, with your sister. Uh, and, um, you know, she was six, seven, and uh, she needed her sleep because she was at school. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that you were, you know, you were sleeping through the night, really, before you went uh in to share a bedroom um so you, you were actually I think you slept in you slept in our room for a very long time I I can't remember Hannah exactly how old you were um I think you said I think you it were, was about two I th- I seem to think you were yeah you were in our room for a very long time <laughs> yeah sorry but I had so, but I had a crib didn't I in the room as well had a cot yeah yeah cot yeah and yeah. then but then some nights would I come into bed with you if dad was away or was I quite good sleeping kind of independently um I think because dad was uh, <laughs> I think because dad was away a lot I, I think possibly um you slept in with me quite a lot mm. <laughs> because I just went for the easy life Hannah well, you know yeah. as long as I sleep if you were sleep oh yeah you would regularly be in bed with me yeah. So you'd start off in your cot, but then you'd end up coming into bed. But then you'd settle off and we would sleep. And, you know, I, that was... Um, and did anyone ever say that that was dangerous or that you were making a rod for your own back? Or again, were you just at that point, you're like, it's my third baby. I don't need to chat to anyone about our sleeping arrangements. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I discussed it, really. I don't remember. I think sometimes I might say oh I've hardly had a wink of sleep you know Hannah's been mm. up all night she wouldn't settle um but um I, I think generally um yeah I think I'd just probably as I say I think I approached it differently mm. and because I knew it's not forever yeah and eventually you would sleep uh and indeed um you did <laughs> And, and you know, um, you know, all children reach an age, don't they, where they sleep? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, and so then, um, uh, then, okay, so then a couple of years later, you decide, why not? <laughs> Let's just have another kid. <laughs> um, and my younger sister comes along and again, you decide to move countries. Um, 
you well, you must have been heavily pregnant when you moved back to the UK. Was that right? Yes, very heavily yeah. pregnant. Yes. Yeah. So it's 1990. You're heavily pregnant. You decide to move to a dilapidated cottage in the north yeah. of England. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no kitchen wall, but hey, who needs a kitchen wall? Uh, and then you have your fourth baby. Um, yeah. Uh, in, at least it was the summer, to be fair, by that point. And yes, not that that really counts for much in the north of England, but you know. No, at least it wasn't uh, midwinter. Yeah. Uh, and it was lovely long days. And actually, the weather, it was quite lovely. And you had a good uh, one. Indeed. And, um, I, I, and um, I do remember, uh, so um, they, they told me at the hospital, uh, because it was my fourth baby, I think they took pity on me. And I kept saying, so how long can I stay in for <laughs> rather than can I go home now? Uh, and uh, I, and uh, and every day I'd say, can I stay another night? And oh. they'd say, oh, all right then. So um, I did I did stay in as long as I possibly could uh, because I just realised you just need that rest. Yeah. It's very important to have that rest. So uh, because I knew once I got home, I wouldn't have any. And indeed, I didn't. <laughs> uh, no. So, uh, yeah, so this one, I was four, four, four and a half, nearly, yeah, four and a half, nearly five. Uh, and you've got a, God, what, like a 12-year-old and an 11-year-old. Um, and a uh, baby, though, what, what what was sleep like then with, with number four? Oh, I just non-existent, I think. Yeah. Um, and um, I just felt so tired. Uh, I just remember feeling incredibly tired and um, falling asleep. I mean, mm. looking back, you know, it wasn't good, was it? If you're feeding your baby and you've fallen asleep. Mm. Um, but I think such was my uh, level of, I, I think I reached new depths of exhaustion. <laughs> uh, and um, because the days were so busy, um and full uh and um uh, and a, a baby uh, who who wouldn't sleep uh, i couldn't put down no way i thought she was a good sleeper later on she became a good sleeper i guess around 9 months yeah i don't know what happened at 9 months but i do remember uh one night um because i'd always kind of nurse her off to sleep uh, and I think I was putting you to bed. I was sorting out your brother and sister. And uh, I thought, oh, uh, I, I, I'll just pop her in the cot. At least she's in the cot. She's safe. Mm. And I'll just put her in it. And then I'll go and see to the others. <laughs> and, and I went back. I, I kind of sorted you, three of you out. And went and, and she was lying down fast asleep. <laughs> and I was so shocked uh, that had never happened to me before and oh I'll turn the light out and uh, didn't hear a peep until seven o'clock in the morning wow couldn't believe it and up until that point she'd just been a nightmare sleeper oh she'd been terrible yeah. terrible all oh, night no. every night uh, wouldn't settle um, she as she got older, she was better in the day. Mm. She started to have quite a long nap, 
uh, midday but she didn't go to bed I think because you were all older and there was a lot going on mm. and she didn't want to miss out so yeah. she wouldn't go yeah. down until about eight mm. you know and um, I think she was actually as she got older and she was more engaged I think she just got exhausted keeping <laughs> up with you all and then she gave in and just went to sleep so she was so you you could never put her down she was a very like um yeah cuddly baby yeah she just wanted to be close all the mm. time uh and and it was very difficult really um uh, and the car going in the car i mean i i'd i'd think oh you know, if I was doing the school pickup, I'd think, oh. And then, of course, she'd go to sleep at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And and that's really difficult, isn't it? To, yeah. Um, you know, the timing and everything. And then uh, I'd lift her back, pick you all up from school and then come back in. And then she'd just wake up before she should. And then she'd be cranky and grisly. And then, <laughs> yeah, all of those things. It's funny. I just don't remember that, you know. And obviously, I was only four, so I, I, I wouldn't expect to but I I remember I, yeah, I guess that's just how your memory works doesn't it you know I just remember her being quite fun you know a, a little plaything for me you know it, I mean I don't get me wrong I was absolutely devastated by her arrival <laughs> I'm still not quite forgiven you for, you, for you're having not her over it yet, <laughs> I'm not over it yet I know <laughs> I'm working on it really hard There's but still that sibling rivalry going on <laughs> But once I'd accepted that she was um, a part of our lives now, she I wasn't did quite. She was staying. Yeah, the once she, once I got once I uh, yeah made peace with that, then um, I, I quite enjoyed her. You know, I do. I you know we were we were good mates, weren't we? And I, I we played together yeah. and I tortured her a little bit. But there was also you know, but I don't remember her. I don't have memories of you sort of like swaying a screaming baby, I suppose. But you must have been doing that a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot, and uh, I do. I mean, it was really hard to get her to settle, mm. uh, and then, um, but yes, you'd have been tucked up in bed fast asleep, yeah, uh, while I was downstairs, um, sometimes in tears, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thinking, Oh, I can't do this, this is too hard. Um, but you just have to think, I guess. It doesn't last forever. It feels like it at the time. But mm. then I think when your children are all grown up, you think, oh, I'd do anything just to have ooh, them back. <laughs> just like yeah. that. It is really, really a very special time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you've got the grandkids, so you can. That's an even better role, isn't it? It's marvellous. <laughs> it's marvellous. It's absolutely marvellous. Um, yeah. You know, I guess it's... Um, Yes, because you you can play a part and um, in their lives, but you're not the one up in the night. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, very different. And, and again, though, being being because you know, obviously, when you had your fourth, you were back in the UK. It was the nineties. It was again a sort of a different world. Um, did you feel then there was? I mean, and I appreciate though that it was your fourth, so you weren't, you know super influenced but did you feel like the other mums you knew in that area were doing things any differently or or was that not so much of an issue for you um I think the other mothers that I knew we we were all doing similar so those who's had had babies of a, a similar age 
um, to you, I think we were all doing something similar. We were all saying, oh, hardly had a wink last. And I think, I, you know, that phase where you're counting the number of hours that you've slept. Mm, yeah. uh, you know, I managed to get two hours last night. Um, so I don't remember uh, knowing anyone that had a baby that slept all night. Yeah. No, I mean, I still don't, you know, not really. <laughs> you know, in the sense of when I, when I think about my friends who've got babies no of course they're not but this idea that they should be or I think I think the, the one of the problems that my generation finds now is like you're saying we have so much information which is great but we're also targeted a lot with advertising and with books and there's so much media telling us that we can fix that normal you know that actually if you you can train you know I, I mean I, I don't envy yeah. you I yeah I don't really, I, I think in a way, um, there's almost too much information and and uh, and an idea about child rearing and what should and shouldn't happen. Um, I think it, that puts a lot of pressure. Yeah. It must put a lot of pressure on some uh, parents. Um, and um, I think that, you know, that must be really, really hard. Um, I, th I think you know in the in the times when I was really in the like you know really those really sleepless nights you know where you are just waking every hour and you're just you know your eyes are stinging and you're thinking I that's it I've I've never ever going to have sleep again and I I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe I didn't know this was what it was going to be like you know those really low moments um, where you just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel and then I think you know I would go onto my phone and I'd be scrolling and seeing lots of pictures of lots of happy smiling families uh, you know my friends or whatever and um, and that's a, that's lovely you know it, I'm not saying we can't share the happy stuff that's really nice to see but then celebrities just looking with these really kind of perfect lives with their babies and then you get an advert popped up that says basically my baby slept seven till seven last night and it only took a week and this is the best thing and it saved my mental health and it saved my marriage, all of this stuff. It's really hard to not get sort of, that's the most desirable thing in the world, you know? It's like, I'd take that over like a million quid, do you know what I mean? At that point when you're really, really low and you're just feeling like, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm lost, I'm exhausted. And I think that is... I think it is a problem for our generation. And I remember you, you really wound me up, mum, because you kept tell, saying, well, babies don't sleep. <laughs> and I'd be like, I don't want to hear that right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong. They do. They, because I kept seeing these things that were saying, my baby does this and my baby. And I was like, well, th this lot have sorted it out. So I, I have to confess, I think I thought your generation just were, or you <laughs> just got it really wrong. <laughs> and we knew better now oh we figured it out now like you know in the same way that you started off talking about nappies I was like well we've got we've got nappies sorted out now and we've got sleep sorted out and we know how to you know I just thought well your generation just didn't know what you were doing <laughs> well, but now we, we can <laughs> well sure but, but at the same time like who does you know we're all winging it and we're all parenting according to the world we're living in but what I mean is I really thought that sleep training which you know cry it out would fix 
yes. it all, you know. I, I, um, I've watched his sister spend yeah. a small fortune as well mm. on on books and yeah. uh, 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 all sorts of things that she's done in her desperation yeah. uh, to get um, the children to sleep. Um, and none of it worked. That that's the problem, and you know, and also we've got to look at you know our your daughter's lives compared to yours. Like it, it that's what I mean. We're parenting for a different world because, you know, she was back at work very early on. You know, after having her kids, you know, six eight months, um, she needed that sleep. She was living. I mean, I know you were as well. She was living away from family. Absolutely, you know, it's and just you do and, yeah. become desperate, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Sleep deprivation is a form of torture. Yeah, it is. Uh, and you yeah. do feel tortured. Yeah. Um, but um, I, well, clearly, I'm sorry for winding you up, Hannah, but in my experience, <laughs> babies don't sleep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think if someone's uh, found, um, you know, the solution, how to make your baby sleep, well, uh, they really deserve, you know, uh, well, a very yeah. special award don't they well, but that's what I always say I always say you know if we really had cracked it then we would all know about it by now you know everyone would do it the people wouldn't be selling all the books all of the you know the internet and wouldn't be so awash with sleep advice if there was just one strategy that would make all of them just sleep through it just it just doesn't exist I do think obviously I'm a sleep consultant so I do think there's a lot we can do to improve things you know looking at sleep hygiene where they're sleeping how they're feeding um you know what what's going on are they getting enough exercise fresh air in the day all of those things there's a lot we can do to optimize sleep to improve it but the idea that seven till seven 12 hours without any wakes is like what we're all working towards is ridiculous well you then become i think the danger is you become frustrated mm. and you think as a, a parent you failed yeah uh, rather than thinking as i did well this is what babies do and if yeah. the baby needs to sleep the baby will sleep yeah and it isn't me you know and yes you try everything you 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 try everything don't you the 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 warm bath before bed uh you know you try absolutely everything and then you just end up feeling frustrated when nothing seems to work and you mm. become convinced it's you you know yeah. why can't I be like these you know other women who've got babies who sleep through the night um so I yes I think I had resigned myself uh, to the fact that babies don't sleep and it's so important um to look after yourself and get rest when you can mm. uh, and have a good support network to get you through i think that's what you need you just need all the help you can get uh, to help you to get through and eventually children do sleep yeah yeah um i just got on with it yeah yeah rightly or wrongly but you've all survived and you've all um grown up to be you know uh, quite healthy and um you know reasonably you sane all sleep. you all sleep we all sleep a can, lot Anna. we all yeah no yeah but we all really love our sleep so yeah, yeah. and then of course you hit the teenage years and you have the opposite problem in that you can't you can't get your child out of bed yeah exactly yeah. 
but it yeah it, it's just it is i do think that the, the sad reality is that the the sort of cry it out approach just doesn't really work you know it's not a long-term solution because your child's always going to go through these phases of separation anxiety you know just cold teething all of that stuff um and there is this idea that we can fix that nowadays and I think it's it's everywhere and I do think it creates another level of torture uh to an already exhausting situation and then we've got the pandemic on top of it which just means you know for so many of us that those support networks have just like you know for me it literally just evaporated overnight you know I went from sort of finding my feet starting to make mum friends and feeling like I had a bit of a rhythm and a bit of a flow and kind of and then it just felt like you know one week I was making plans to go to rhyme time at the library and the next it was like oh well you're not going to see your loved ones for you know I didn't see you know you for months and months it's been so hard really hard for you yeah so I understand I do think though because of that there have been a lot more people who have like okay great we could make we could we could make money off this like you know there's there's people who are stuck with babies and they they haven't got anyone you know so do you want to buy this thing this you know and you know it is it is where we find ourselves nowadays Um, I think so and but I do think you know uh, personally uh, and lots of people uh, would disagree but I do think babies cry for a reason Mm. Uh, that when a a, a, a baby uh, is responded to or a child is responded to uh, because the need is recognised, I, I do think that that does build in the brain, doesn't it? It's that healthy attachment. You know, I'm upset someone is going to come and, and help me. Uh, and I, I do think that you are building that attachment to mm. your child um, and they're learning, aren't they? That brain is, I mean, we know a lot more, don't we now, about uh, infant brain development uh, mm. and and how those um, synapses are, are built mm. uh, when children are responded to, when they are distressed and upset. Mm. Um, and that's really important, that psychological uh, development, isn't it, of, of you know, um, a child feeling secure and safe mm. and um rather than being left to scream and cry mm. uh, and become distressed which i don't i don't believe personally it can be can be good for a child no and i also think you know i i think it's so important to remember isn't it that there's no you know there's no such thing as a child there's only you know a, there's a child and a mother you know so that relationship it's really bad for the for the or the the primary caregiver as well you know obviously it's not great for a child to to be left like that but it really affects the parent as well um and their stress levels and their sense of you know that that it just affects the whole relationship doesn't it I think it does I think it does and um but the important thing isn't it when you're growing a human being uh, is that you, you know, that you build that relationship mm. uh, and that allow your child to build a secure attachment. Uh, and and that is a good foundation then, isn't it, um, to build on that your child knows that you are somebody uh, who's going to respond when they need you to. 
and um, hopefully you know you build on that um, throughout the child's life yeah well mum I mean I mean one thing I was going to ask you actually was uh, and I don't know if you want to talk about this but but I suppose like your professional role um you you see you know as a social worker um although I think people would probably guess that that's your job just by the way you talk about <laughs> attachments and brain development it's a bit of a giveaway isn't <laughs> it does it? give it away um but you know yeah you've you see a, you've seen a lot of you know children from really you know who've had really um you know adverse childhood experiences um but I don't know if you want to talk about your job or not as a social worker, I think um, I, I, you know, working with families, I think each family has to do what's right for them. So because I've got my own views on my own experiences, wouldn't be something that I would say this is the way to do it. Um, you know, um, that's what worked for me, worked for me. Uh, and um, but certainly, you know, that that wouldn't be that wouldn't work for everybody and um, it does depend on people's circumstances and there's lots of other factors aren't there that uh, come into play um but I suppose it has helped me I think to um understand um in much greater depth really you know um how important those early you know, those early months, those early years, you know, what's going on for a child uh, at that point in their development. Uh, and certainly when children don't have that, um, how that can impact on them uh, for the rest of their lives. So um, I guess uh, however you choose to care for your child, um, that response, that nurture, you know, that sense of security, uh, all of that is so very important yeah but like you and you know I think it's also helpful you know for anyone listening to this maybe if it's your first baby and you're just still in that sort of what um what has happened to my life phase of like what is this you know hearing you talk about your experience of, of being you know being a mother at 21 and then in your mid-30s and you know in different stages of your life and having more you know having four children and that there were times when it was really really hard and you weren't always getting it right either um you know oh, in gosh. my in, gosh, getting you know. it horribly wrong at times <laughs> <Yeah>. horribly wrong <laughs> and yeah. I look back and I think oh my goodness what was I thinking? Um, but you do what you think is the right thing at the time. Um, and um, and then when you look back, you think, gosh, you know, um, I, I should have done that differently. But, you know, when you're a new parent, you are exactly that, aren't you? You are a new parent and you are learning. You're getting to know your baby and you're getting to know yourself um, mm. and what your own you know, you find things in yourself that you didn't know were there. Uh, you find mm. um, strengths that you didn't know were there. Uh, and you have to learn to be patient uh, mm. and to be tolerant. And if the house is a mess, well, the house is a mess. You know, if you haven't washed your hair for a fortnight, you know, that's how it is. And it won't yeah. always be like that. And you will come out the other side uh, and um, you will look back at, at that time uh, with a great deal of, um, 
you know, you probably tend to remember the the positives uh, rather yeah. than, um, you know, the things that were really hard. Yeah. And so in last week's episode, we talked, I talked to someone about attachment and how is that sort of fluid thing and it's not made or broken by one single act or that, you know, that you, you can muck up, go for a rocky stage and kind of repair and, and keep trying basically. And it, like you're saying, it's all about that relationship. Yes, you're building a relationship, aren't you? Yeah. you and it's hard to imagine you're doing that with a baby because a very young baby isn't, you know, they're not hugely responsive to you are <laughs> they're they? not giving a lot they're back not they're not bringing a lot to the table back other than <laughs> dirty nappies and a lot of crying and it's um, all me 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 with that lot they are so demanding <laughs> aren't they I mean they you wonder don't you how one tiny human being can come into the world and cause such um uproar and and um disturb a household there's nothing mm. like a baby for disturbing routines go out of the window. You know, you, it, it's unbelievable um, mm. of, of what parents go through, really. It's so hard. It's really, really hard being a parent. Um, and I've lost my thread now, but I think it is. Um, I think what you're doing, isn't it? You are building that relationship that you will have and for the rest of your life uh, and here we are Hannah who would have thought uh, <laughs> I won't say how many years later because that will make me feel very old um, but and, uh, and you were me a youngster um, yeah. but um, you know we still have that relationship don't we uh, mm. that we we had that foundation uh, of when you were a baby and um, you know and and it it's a hard work but it is very rewarding uh, mm. and then you've all those lovely firsts uh, that lie ahead of you on your child's journey aren't you first steps first time yeah. they sit up the first smiles and all of those lovely things that really brighten your day along the way mm. oh that's lovely mum let's leave it there <laughs> well that was um yeah, thank you, Hannah. Uh, you've brought back a, a lot of uh, memories there. Um, and I don't know where the time goes. And life does go very quickly. And uh, I think it is. That's a, I think that's what I would say. You know, despite the challenges, it is a really special time. And just try to find the joy. Um, even on your worst days, just try to find a positive uh, and yeah. that you've achieved and you got through that day and you're you're taking another step uh, on your journey of parenting and and uh, uh, for your child. Yeah, there are just some days you take it hour by hour. You have a really good hour followed by an abysmal hour, followed by an even worse hour. And then the next hour might be all right. <laughs> yes, that's exactly how it goes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. All right, mum. I'm going to stop recording now. Okay, so it's so strange to listen back to. Um, I think we were both using our telephone voices. which <laughs> is We've both been quite formal, I think, which is not normally how we sound when we chat. I don't know. It's very strange. Uh, hopefully it didn't sound too weird. But um, also, uh, yeah, 
as you will have heard, I was doing that during a nap time that ended up not being a nap time for my son because he is um he's a he'll be three in a couple of months now, and so we're going through this sort of phasing out the nap phase. He's in that really awkward um bit where he's not really tired enough to nap but he's not really ready to go without a nap either. So some days he does, some days he doesn't. Um, On the days he doesn't, he has huge tantrums and meltdowns by the end of the day. And uh, so, but it's lucky dip. We're getting to a point now where like, it is what it is. (laughs) But anyway, that was my son. He's made his podcast debut, which I I thought was quite cute. but yeah, this week's episode, my mum, I think, like I was saying in the intro, the intro, there's lots of things that I've done very similarly to my mum. You know, um, I bed shared with my baby. I, um, I did breastfeed, although I have to say I had um, lots and lots of problems breastfeeding. I um, ended up combination feeding, so he had bottles and boob. Um, and I wasn't a long-term breastfeeding um, person either, so... Um, in that respect I was very different to my mum and I actually found it quite difficult because she'd found breastfeeding I I, I don't want to say easy because I don't think it ever is easy but more straightforward and obviously you've heard you know she had awful mastitis and lots of challenges um but she she did kind of breastfeed exclusively all all of her four children and I didn't for my son and I remember feeling like a real failure then because my mother could do it and I couldn't and that was something I really struggled with but I think having spoken to her about that and reflected on it myself and even just listening to her talk about her parenting journey now I've really come through the other side of that kind of guilt and sense of failure and realized actually I did really well and uh, because it doesn't because however you feed your child as long as you feed them with love and you know they are getting (laughs) what they need from you emotionally and physically it's okay and we are all dealing with our own circumstances um so yeah but that that was that's what kind of came up for me listening to it I I think it's really interesting how my mum was raised by someone and you know my her mother is a lovely person I don't want to um, be too critical of my granny but definitely of that generation where they just you know cry it out was just very very normal and it was considered you know awful lazy parenting if you were wrapped around your child's finger Um, and I think that's really interesting how differently my mum then chose to raise her own children I think she was really um brave actually to be so um impact to be so empowered to to follow her instincts because I have to say I didn't have that sense of empowerment to follow my instincts which surprises me because my mum was quite crunchy you know she was a bed sharing breastfeeding baby wearing you know kind of hippie mum and yet I still when I had my own baby wanted a routine I wanted sleep I wanted a schedule and I wanted my baby to fit into my life so it's almost like 
I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I eventually, though, and obviously talking to my mum will have influenced this kind of subconsciously, but I, I eventually gave up on all of that stuff and surrendered to the experience I was having as a mother and learned to meet my child where they were and meet myself where I was and stop fighting it so much. And I have to say, when once I stopped fighting it and fighting who my child was, fighting who I was as a mother, once that conflict was gone, motherhood got a lot more enjoyable. I'm not saying it's easier <laughs> and I'm not saying I've nailed it, but I could find the joy more. And I think that's what I loved, that final point that my mum made about finding the joy because it is really hard is really tiring even when they sleep it's still tiring but it's particularly tiring and exhausting when you're not getting like you know consolidated sleep every night it's it's intense looking after a small child is hard work but I do believe that when there is an element of surrender we can find that joy a little more (laughs) 